neighbor's house, uh, Myrrh Children's Church. Stretch your hands towards them. It's your power and your blessing. God, we bless our children in the name of the Lord, that God would move in power and might in the midst of them, that there would, they would have fresh eyes to see, that they, you would give them vision and increase, and, and the spirit of the living God would move upon them like never before. God, we ask that they would hear from heaven today, that you would encourage them in their physical lives and in their mind and wisdom, and we pray favor over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you guys ready for the word? John, are you ready? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I want to encourage you as we step into this space. I was encouraged by this this story in the Bible because Paul was bringing a word to the people. Just like if Paul was standing in front of us speaking to us, there was a crowd of people. And there was a man in the crowd. And in that man, it says that he was sitting there and he could, he could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and he had never walked. And I was thinking about your story. Might not be from birth, but you might have something that's crippling you or or you're struggling with it, or whatever, whatever it is, whatever the, the thing is that stands in that space, that you're like, God, I want to see this happen. And as Paul was speaking, and he was listening, it said Paul looked intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. I think about you, that you can sit there, and you can cause your faith to come alive. That someone could look at you and say, their faith is ready to be made well. As the word of God goes out today, the faith of the word of God is relative and present and real for you today. That you can grab a hold of it and John could look out in the audience and be like, oh, they're ready. And guess what happened? He was made well. And his life was forever changed. You came here for transformation. That you could walk in one way and walk out some way different. And the word this morning has the power to be released in your life just like this man. So God, we just activate our faith this morning. We cause our faith to surface outside of our heart, into our eyes, into our mind, into our spirit. That we might have faith to to see the circumstances in which are holding us back be forever changed. God, that you would move in the midst of us like never before. That as your word is released, the power of your word and the resurrection power of Jesus would show itself strong and be given glory in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, good morning. I think we forgot one announcement that God is, God is putting on my heart, and that's that today is Pastor Ruth's birthday. And she has been blessed for the last couple weeks a uh, week that they were gone. And I'm just going to pray over her right now. That, uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for her. And we just lift her up to you that you would help her to reveal to us and to everybody she comes in contact with all that you revealed to her while she was gone. And we just thank you for her. And we ask your blessing on her. And we just... Uh, Say more, Lord. We just want to see more of you. And we'll see it through her and through everybody that you work through. And we just praise you for her in the name of Jesus. 
Well, I guess uh, we could say that this week has been kind of interesting, huh? The red wave turned into kind of a ripple. And it seems that uh, nobody was really happy. Except for the fact that the election is over. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting in my travels this week that how the attitudes of people really seemed to change between Tuesday and Wednesday. It was like this great weight, like a ton of bricks was lifted from them. Nobody really won, so to speak, which made for very interesting situations for everybody. In the midst of these results, uh, you know, there's some some conclusions. Attitudes weren't validated all over the place. Ideologies weren't confirmed. And a lot of American values and norms and mores were still kind of left up in the air, you could say. Some might ask, why did this happen like this? And I think that that may be a valid question. To the non-believer, those type of people tend to be full of anxiety now because their agenda wasn't fulfilled. There are a good number of left-leaning folks who are upset with other Democrats even because they didn't rally around and support the far-left agenda like some thought they should have. And to the believer, the thought may have been like, well, you know, if God is who he says he is, then why didn't he step in and make things happen like he should have? Why did he allow the potential of murdering innocent babies, abortion? Why did he let that win, at least in certain areas? Why did he allow seemingly useless people to stay in power when they should have been voted out, at least by believers? Why did he allow people to vote? for those that have already shown and proven that they don't care, really care about them. But only for their own power, like, you know, our own Governor Evers, who tried to lock us down with an iron fist a couple years ago. Or Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan, who made so many businesses actually fold up and go out of business, and who actually had people arrested for violating her COVID orders at one point. And Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, who outrageously came right out and told conservatives that they weren't welcome in New York State and that they should just leave while at the same time allowing criminals to basically have free reign everywhere. And I was always taught, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So the fact that there's a lot of fooling going on in and around the country today right after an election is astounding and shameful. It's astounding that we let it happen. And it's shameful that we weren't smarter than thinking that it wouldn't happen. Like the whole idea of taking up to 14 days to count ballots in Arizona. Really? That's awfully hard to believe that that's happening legitimately in this day and time. When other states with a whole lot more people were all counted up by the end of election day. 
Or the idea of counting votes in Pennsylvania that legally weren't supposed to be counted. They weren't done accurately. They were even told to not be counted by their own Supreme Court. But they're trying to count them anyway. Or the fact that there are still 20-plus House seats that haven't been called yet because as of yesterday, some only had 50 to 80% of their vote counted in some areas of the country. Can't wait for those results. But how can this be? The point is that this country seems to be more advanced and yet more messed up than it's ever been. Politically, socially, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, like it may never have been messed up before. So what's going on, you may ask? What's that got to do with God and with his faithful people here today? Well, just this. This whole world, if we say that God is God, this whole world is his. As well as all of the mess that we humans are making of it. With that in mind, I'm going to ask that we pray for understanding right now. Lord, please help us to understand what's going on in this world of yours, or at least help us to be able to deal with it all and not get in the way of what you have in mind for this time and place in history. There's a lot that we just don't understand. So help us to have the wisdom to hear you speak and understand your will and your timing in this all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Well, as I was getting ready for today, old God uh, talked to me and said, look at your wrist. What do you have there? This is what I have on my wrist. It's very special to me. This was my 30th anniversary present for my wife. This is what's called an automatic wristwatch. It's awesome. I love it. Let me tell you a little bit about it. You never have to wind this watch. Plus, there's no battery in it to keep it going either. The technology that makes it work is some of the oldest in watchmaking. Somehow they came up with the idea of making the movement of your body constantly wind this watch. And it's a very cool process. I never have to worry about it. And it's always on time. Plus it has what's called a complication on it. You can see right there. For those not familiar with watches, a complication is something that makes, watch, uh, makes the watch more complicated than normal. This one has the date on it, and it always moves forward by itself. Other common automatic complications include uh, a day date, the moon phase, the perpetual calendar, the chronograph, that's like a stopwatch, chimes for different times of the day, tells you the Greenwich Mean Time, has a world timer, has alarms, an annual calendar, power reserve indicator, a tachymeter, which measures your speed. And this is all designed into a watch that's not electric, but just extremely mechanically created, enabled. It's basic, but it's possible for all, all that to be in here. 
Of course, the more complications, the more expensive the watch is, too. So you may ask, well, what's that got to do with us right now? Well, as I pondered this, God said to me, do you know how many people in this world right now don't know how to tell something as basic as time in your watch? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. I, I know that they, a lot of schools don't even teach telling time anymore. If, if time isn't digital, there's a whole lot of young folks that are in trouble. It's like cursive writing. I hope we all know how to write cursive, but it's just not being taught much in school anymore. Either the writing of it or the reading of it. As far as I'm concerned, that's a problem. And it's a problem for our future. Furthermore, he said, it's kind of like the Bible. The more it's not being taught, the more it's not a regular part of daily life, the less likely it's being understood and the less it's taken seriously or it's being considered irrelevant to the world we live in. Now, I know that I quoted this uh, fact a couple weeks ago when I preached, but I think it's worth repeating. Statistics are telling us that millions of people are saying no to religion every year, especially to Christianity. Just simply calling themselves atheists, non-believers in God. Many are turning to science and medicine as their God. One Christian girl, or one girl that I, I talked to, it was a Christian educated girl, told me that science is just so much more empirically provable than living by faith in the Bible. To which I said, no, it's not really. But that's what she's been taught. And that's what's going on in our education system today. That's why parents who are now complaining about public education to their school boards are now openly being treated worse than international terrorists by our own FBI. Some even being arrested and jailed for just questioning school board's authority. That's why you have teachers telling students, no, you know, don't go tell your parents about their gender confusion after they've been given the ideas by the teachers in the first place. Most schools can't dispense an aspirin to a child without parental consent. But some are now even encouraging sex change procedures and providing gender-blocking drugs to those same children without the parents' knowledge or consent. And then we wonder how crazy people with crazy ideas get reelected? Really? It seems that what we used to consider crazy or unthinkable is going mainstream. And unfortunately, in many circumstances, the church is sitting by and letting it happen. This is not just a Democratic or a Republican problem. This is a problem of society as a whole. All of us, I think, need to take a good long look at how we're living and what is becoming normal in our lives and in our communities. Let me ask you this. 
What does the Bible have to say about all this? One verse in particular that came to me was Proverbs 22.6, which says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Train. What does that mean? It means teach. Show how. Be a living example. Work with the child and help them to learn the how, the what, the where, the when, the why of that teaching. That's part of what being a parent or a grandparent, a friend, and even the church is about. Where do you think some of these goofy and dangerous ideas are, are coming about? Where are they coming from and what are they about? Because the teachers weren't taught themselves. The parents weren't taught. And it's becoming more and more like, well, yeah. So what do they need to know about that Jesus for anyway? He's not real. Can't be proven. Oh, yes, he is real. Yes, he can be proven. I can testify to that, and I believe. But if a mind is already closed to that type of information, and everything you're being taught is the opposite of it, that's already something that's, that's done. It's what the French would call a fait accompli. It's accomplished already. Presumably irre- irreversible deed. A done deal. You know what happens if I were to take this watch off and leave it on my dresser for three days without moving it? It stops working. Its purpose to show the time and the day is no longer being accomplished. It needs the power of me in it. My movements in order to keep plugging along. Just like we need the power of God's word in us to keep us moving to our goal in life, which is to know him, to share him, and to be with him for eternity and to take as many people with us as possible You know what Philippians 2, 1 to 18 says? In it, Paul says, uh, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, counting others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What are the interests of others? I'd say one thing. Knowing God, that's in their best interest. Verse 5 says... Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that in the, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do you hear that? This is all about our God and not us. 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. And hear this, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among who you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice in me. Translation. Paul knew who he was. And who he wasn't. That it was all about Christ and what God had done with and through him from being born as a baby to dying a humiliating death on the cross by the hands of his own people. That they and we, his followers, would be surrounded by what Paul calls a crooked and twisted generation. And that we need to be light to them in this world. A humble light. A light that's not so interested in making a difference for ourselves, but willing to make a difference for those who don't know him yet. Why? And here's the puncher. Because at one point, in the days that are yet to be, despite what the world says and how people are saying, yeah, that's not true. Every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you understand what that means? It means that every tongue, every tongue, whether a believer who says so with joy and hope of eternity with the Lord and his Father, or every non-believer who will understand their mistakes and, the, and that those mistakes have everlasting consequences and that their future is going to be worse than the worst thing Hollywood has ever dreamt up for horror movies. Paul says, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, that's inferring what was talked about last week when we had communion together. And what it was about. Christ was poured out 
as that drink offering. His blood was that offering. Paul uses that same terminology and wording and thoughts here. In other words, if I have to be sacrificed for him, I will rejoice with you all because you have carried on with your faith in him. And I rejoice with you in that faith. You know, Ecclesiastes talks a, a bunch about time and everything in its proper time and season. And that's exactly what God does. Even though he, he really lives outside the realm of what we know as time, he is very time-oriented, very orderly with his time. You know, think about it. We'll go back to what we, we heard last week. He knew when and how to create each thing during each day of creation. He knew when society would turn their back on him and then when they needed correcting. He knew when the only thing he could do was to send Jesus here to live and die and rise again in order to beat sin and death once and for all. And he's, he knows what's happening in our lives and in this world all the time, here and now. He knows. He knows when we're ready to speak to someone. Someone that he wants us to speak to. And so he puts them on our path for us to speak to. And he lets that perfect time come for us to make the impact here that he wants us to make. Even in the midst of weird elections and in the middle of a crooked and twisted generation that not only doesn't want to believe in him, but also wants to do some really ridiculous and bizarre things to him in order to illustrate their defiance. You know, I read some really interesting things the other day about end times. and What had to happen? And what the Bible had to say about it. One of those things was the idea that one of the main countries that would attack Israel in those times would have an army of over 200 million soldiers. Now at the time of the book of Revelations, the whole world didn't have 200 million people in it. It's only been the last few years that China has stated publicly that they could put together an army of 200 plus million people when they wanted to. God knew what was going, on, going to happen way back in the time of Revelations. And the fact is that the time is getting late where other things are happening that he told us about too. Bottom line, the crazier the world is, the closer we're getting to that point that some will rejoice in and some are going to find great distress in the day of Jesus coming again. Our time to talk to others about their eternal future, I have a feeling is quite short. One pastor and author put it this way. He said, you know, Jesus could really come back at any moment. And so we need to be ready for that. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we sit around, we quit our jobs, and we look at the sun. It means that we're about our Father's business, doing everything we can to reach people 
with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Telling them how to be ready to meet him. He said our objective as Christians should be to go to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. As such, we need to know God, become more like Christ, study his word, and make sure everybody possible knows him. He finished by saying that many Christians feel it's just too hard, too tough to present the gospel. But he said it's, it's really easier than you think. He tells people you should be able to present the gospel in three minutes or less. Every Christian should be able to do this. Just cut to the chase. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus. What does the gospel tell us? That there is a God in heaven who loves us. However, we're separated from him by our sin, by our acting out against him. In fact, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. So we have to admit our sin, and we need to turn away from it. The good thing is that God sent a remedy for that sin and for our salvation. He sent his son Jesus here to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. If we'll just turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ, he will forgive us, and we can know that we will be with him forever when this life is over. And furthermore, we can realize the meaning and the purpose of the life that God has for us on this planet at this time, in God's time. We are told straight out here that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord at some point in time. Every. That's not some. That's not one in five. Every tongue. Even those who end up saying it with gritted teeth and don't really want to say it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to see people that I know and love on the other side of that divide, admitting with broken hearts that Jesus is Lord, but knowing that they will spend eternity without him and away from him. That's a really long time, especially in God's time. Absolutely. Elections are a problem. And this country and this world have plenty of problems. But the truth is that there are opportunities here in the middle of those problems. Opportunities that God has put there in front of us in his time so that we might speak for him and do his work until that awesome day comes when Jesus comes back and makes it clear once and for all to everyone who's who and who isn't fit for office. Face it, in today's environment and with today's technology, we all want instant results. Because that's what we're used to. But God says, hang on there a minute, kids. I've got it covered in my time. Thanks be to him that his time is always better than ours. And his ways are always higher than ours. In the name of Jesus and through his power, 
forgiveness and love today and always. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your perfect time. Help us to be the instruments of yours that you need us to be right now. Give us the courage to say things that we might dare not to say otherwise. Give us the power to go into this weird world and speak your truth in wild and wonderful ways. We just thank you that you are the one that gives us strength. You're the one that gives us power. You're the one that gives us the ability to do everything we do. We just ask you for more, Lord. Help us to learn about you better. Help us to speak for you better. Help us to share you better every day. Just thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And now if anybody here has not been able or hasn't come to that point of accepting him yet, and the time is now, maybe come before him in this gathering and express the desires of your heart before our God. The time is ripe, and we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that it is. In the name of Jesus, I pray. There will be people up here to pray with you if your heart is ready to declare what Jesus is putting on today.